Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Multipod, the podcast all about multipotentiality, being a multipotentialite, navigating being a multipotentialite, and all that good stuff that goes along with it. I am Vanessa, and I am here with Ted and Sarah. We haven't had Sarah on for a while. Hello. I'm happy to be back. <laughs> it's great to hear your voice. Yeah, it is. Thank you. Yeah, awesome. So we are going to talk about, quite frankly, mental health today. And I guess we're just going to have a conversation about what's been going on with us in that regard. And I guess some things that have helped us. And I think something that I've kind of picked up from being in the putty tribe is that we multipotentialites, I wouldn't say that like every multipotentialite has mental health issues, because that would be a really bold statement. Uh, that I have no basis for. <laughs> but I think from being in the putty tribe, I've seen that it's something that multipotentialites do struggle with. And I think that probably has to do somewhat with the fact that we are, so to speak, a little all over the place sometimes. So um, and I also just think that m- mental health is an issue for many, many, many people all around the world. So um, it's been something that's been really present in my life lately, something that I've been navigating in my life lately. And so, yeah, hopefully this will be relevant to most of you who are listening. It's a very human theme. So, Yeah, I think a lot of us can yes. relate to it for sure. So I guess I'll, if you don't mind, start with what's going on with me and I'll just, um, I guess, take it from there. So I uh, have been experiencing clinical anxiety and depression for a long time. Um, I started taking medication in I think 2007. And um, I've been on it since and it's been really, really successful for me. I have no shame in talking about the fact that I'm on medication. And I know some people feel touchy about it. But for me, I'm like, eh, you know, um, I've heard the analogy that mental health is like a broken bone, you treat it, and it's not any different. So that's uh, kind of the view that I take as well. And I've had really I've had a lot of ups and downs over the years, of course. And lately, I had a little bit of a, I want to say down, but also a spike in my anxiety. And I don't know how many details I want to get into, but there was a family thing that uh, was a misunderstanding. And it caused me to think that somebody in my family had died, but they hadn't actually which sounds ridiculous, but it was a, it was, it's a long story. Doesn't really matter how it happened, but it did. And this made my anxiety spike like crazy. And so I ended up really starting to experience uh, some obsessive thoughts. And I started um, experiencing something that's called depersonalization and derealization. And this is something that's really not known much. Not a lot of people know about it. And it's basically where you aren't sure what's real. You aren't sure if you're real. You aren't sure if other people are real. You're not sure if um, what you're experiencing is reality. And you start to feel really out of it and almost like you're being observed from the outside or you're observing yourself from the outside. And it's not like you're like having an out-of-body experience. You just feel like you're watching yourself from the outside. It's very hard to explain. and, And it's a very unsettling feeling. And so I was having this on and off. Um, And so I went to a psychiatrist, and uh, this was actually the first time I'd ever been to one, and he confirmed that I have the anxiety, I have the 
depression, and then he added OCD on top of it. And it's not OCD as in um, washing my hands tons of times. It's OCD as in obsessive thoughts and having mental compulsions, which is like an example would be thinking you are going to, I don't know, I'm I'm trying to think of an example, but it's basically like a, a mental compulsion is a thought that you have after you have an obsessive thought that's supposed to, you think is going to give you less anxiety in that moment. And it doesn't always because you turn into, it ends up being this cycle of thought, compulsion, thought, compulsion, and it just never goes away. Can you give an example? So yeah, I'm trying to think of an example. And it's like, one example that I've heard before is somebody might have the obsessive worry or thought that they're going to hurt somebody that they love. And they will in their mind, start to say, no, I'm going to help somebody, I'm going to help somebody not hurt. And they try to replace the word hurt with help. And, and it's not actually, it doesn't actually help anything because with OCD, when you have these thoughts, um, what I'm learning is the idea is to lessen your emotional response to the thoughts. It's not to get rid of the thoughts. It's just to be like, okay, that's a thought and kind of try to let it go and move on. Um, And the more you do that, the more, the easier it gets to deal with those thoughts. Um, And then another thing that's really big is exposure to what you're scared of. So if you do have health OCD is something where um, you feel like you, you're constantly obsessing that you have some sort of illness. And so an exposure would be, I suppose, going to maybe like a hospital um, and just spending time in a hospital and, and that kind of thing. So it's been an interesting ride. <laughs> and I will say that uh, my medication was adjusted and that has helped so much, but there's still more to be done. So the obsessive thoughts that I'm having are unfortunately thoughts that no human has any control over. Believe me, I don't want to necessarily get into the details, but it's stuff that like none of us, none of us have control over. And so that's been extremely hard because I think part of OCD is also having to relinquish control. And that's really hard to do. So is the OCD part something new for you then the last few weeks or months? Have you ever experienced it before? Oh, no, I've experienced it before. I just had never had anybody tell me. Right, it wasn't diagnosed. Yeah, Yeah. identified. Hmm. Yeah, I think it was really well managed with my, because it's very similar to anxiety, and it also creates anxiety. So I think it was well managed with my medications and with therapy. But then something I'm also learning is that when you have an experience that can be traumatic, then it can kind of come back and become bad again. (laughs) So that's what's been going on with me. Um, And it'd be nice to talk about also some things that kind of can work in these kinds of situations, but Mm -hmm. I don't know if we want to go there yet. So what you're talking about is making me think a lot of many authors and research that I personally do investigate a lot in, in, in self-awareness and self self learning Mm -hmm. and, and kind of to become like a healthier uh, mentally and physically person. And it's reminding me of a book I read for a class about stress and psychology. The first step is to learn what's happening to you and to put it a name mm-hmm. and to be aware that, that you're going through a phase or through an issue. And that's the first step because being aware of that is what can help you to look for, for help. Mm-hmm. It's the same way that you, you, you mentioned before, like it's like treating a broken bone. Like there are specialists that can help you to 
process your thoughts and and learn to help you learn better habits for yourself. Yeah. The book I was talking before, uh, it's it's called Why Zebras Don't Have Ulcers. I think I've heard of that book. It's it's kind of technical because it's written by by a doctor that did a um, deep investigation on stress. But towards the end of the book, it talks about things you can do to manage your stress responses. And one of the things is learning yourself to learn your responses and mm. in order to be able to to project what the future can do and how you're going to react in order to for you to control that. And that's very helpful. That's interesting. Some other person that comes to mind, I don't know if you heard of him, but for me, it's... it's He's an author that I found fascinating. And it's a work that Joe Dispenza is doing. Okay. I don't know if you heard of him, but he became very popular at the end of the 90s. With uh, He participated in a movie called What the Bleak Do You oh, Know? Yes. That talks about quantum physics. Oh, yeah. And he started in that field because he had an accident. And he had a, a very serious injury. You can find his story online. It's actually pretty interesting. And he, it, like, he was meant to have surgery, and but he denied everything. He didn't want to do anything that the doctor said. Like, he wanted to recluse himself in his house and, and said, "Well, like, if my body is in my mind." It's intelligent enough to to heal a, a wound, an open wound in my skin. Why could I not heal my spine? So this is when he started all his research. And he actually, through meditation and changing thought patterns and behavior, he actually cured himself. Wow. Through reading his stuff, has it had a, an impact on some of your life recently? Well, it's yes, it's easy to learn the theory, but at the end you have to put it in practice. And obviously when you're going through a bad time, like I myself also, I'm not going through the best moment in life, um, dealing with a breakup and losing uh, the person I was with eight years that's a pretty big loss and also like trying to look for a new job and, and trying to create a path and a career in an, a new discipline. It's like everything feels dismantled. But something that is helping me is not only knowing that I have to go through this phase and life is a cycle and go like looking for help, for actual help, like I'm going to a psychologist and because at the end, the pain can block you and will, will not allow you to do anything that you have to do in order to get out of the hole. But it, sometimes when you are in the hole and people that tend to have very uh, strong uh, mood changes tend to go to the extremes. If they are in the, the lower extreme, they won't see the light. Everything will feel so negative that it feels really hard to believe that there can be a positive future. And that's when it becomes problematic. It's when 
you tend to have suicidal thoughts. And at the end, the most important thing is, is the significant connections you have around mm-hmm. you from, an, from a community point of view. That's so interesting like, that you're so saying important. that because I'm finding that as well. First of all, when you say like, um, when the pain gets to be too much, the unfortunate thing in a way is that when people get to that point, they have to to want help and they have to want to make a change because nothing's going to happen if they don't. And so that's really tough if you, I think for me, years and years and years of dealing with that kind of thing um, has made me realize no, I can keep fighting. I can keep working on this. I need help. And that kind of thing. Whereas some other people might not, you know, so I don't really know what you do when you're in that situation. I think if anybody listening is in that situation, please just remember that there are lots of resources out there for you. Even if you can't afford therapy, there are other things you can do. There are lots of places probably around the world now have drop in centers or crisis lines or that kind of thing. And there's so many things that you can do. So, but you have to want to, right? And then also, um, mm-hmm. you were just mentioning community. And that's something I'm really realizing is important because I get into these obsessive thought patterns. I get into these um, ruts where I'm just like in it so deep. And I find when I go and I spend time with people outside of the house, especially, I start to feel better. And it's not necessarily that it like cures everything, but having community, having people around you, yeah, getting definitely. out of your head a little bit really helps. Mm-hmm. And then also when you have good friends and community that you know you can rely on, then you feel safer too. Breaking the habit of being yourself. Yeah. I actually think that's the title of another oh. book. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good title. <laughs> yes. One of the first and most difficult parts of 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 the cycle of, of, of the path to get better. It's accepting the fact that we are vulnerable. Mm-hmm. We tend to mystify people around us and see, and, uh, and mostly with, with social media. Now we see all the good things that happens yeah. to people, but we don't realize all the stuff that's going behind mm-hmm. that. And most of the time to not say like 80 or 90% of, of the times is it's just a facade and it's just, it's just a mask. And something that really, really helps me is knowing that I'm not alone in, in having these feelings. And I'm not the only one having issues. And you have to do the work too. Yeah. You can go to a therapist and you can talk and talk and talk and talk. And sometimes you'll have a lot of self-realizations that way. But sometimes you have to do extra things or you have to put into practice some of the things that your therapist might suggest to you and you just have to and it kind of sucks because <laughs> we none mm-hmm. of us really love to to work <laughs> maybe I mean I shouldn't say that but um it's hard it's really hard but you have to do it I mean you tend to numb at the end is the easiest thing yeah. to do numbing is is like okay I don't have to deal exactly. with this but you just you're just pushing uh, it off burying it yeah I've done some burying in my time and have seen it in the future after that really kind of blow up in my face. So it's not good. (laughs) It's not good to bury. It's actually much better to do the hard work. I also would like to point, there's many different ways of help. Mm -hmm. And not everything works for everyone. Totally. And when when you decide that you, you need help, it's important to meet different professionals. And see with who do you connect with. Yeah. 
because if not, it's a waste of time. Yeah. And, and it's a waste of time and money. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And I think um, there are other things that you can do besides therapy, even just on your own. And it does take a little bit of that self-motivation, I guess. But something that's been really helping me is, it sounds really cliche, but meditation and yoga. And I have the app Headspace, which is like, the unfortunate thing is if you want to have access to everything, it's like $180 US a year. Um, So that's really expensive. I guess when you break it down per month, it's like, maybe not so bad, but you have to pay, I'm pretty sure you have to pay yearly. And so that's, that's kind of inaccessible, but they do have quite a bit of content that is accessible for free. And there are lots of other apps out there that are similar that you can find. But I just really like Headspace because in terms of the content, not the accessibility from the money side, but the content is really good. And it just makes meditation seem a lot, feel a lot easier than you kind of make it up to be in your brain. You kind of like, you're like, I have to be in a yoga studio with candles and like, whatever, but that's not true. Like this, the app really kind of shows you that you can almost do it anywhere. Like if you have a car, you can just like pull over and do a two minute meditation. Like it's really easy. Um, I've actually done that before. So it's like music or other sound effects? They do have actually some, not with the meditations. They have, the meditations are silent, but the, like there's a guide, there's somebody who's talking to you and kind of guiding you through it, but they have these really great things called sleep casts. And it's somebody who is like telling a story in a very calm way with some sound effects and it makes you sleepy. It actually really helps you sleep if you're having a hard time sleeping. <laughs> and they have some other like, um, they do have some like calming music and some calming white noise sound type of things that you can play. So it's that's another reason I like it is it has lots of different things in it. And then for yoga, I personally love going to a yoga studio, having other people around me who are doing it. It just feels like they're kind of creating a space for you and holding a space for you, which is really nice. But Right now, it's kind of out of my budget. So I've been going online and just doing videos on YouTube. And there's somebody named Yoga with Adrian. I think it's spelled A-D-R-I-E-N-E. And she's great. She has long videos. She has short videos. She has um, videos for when you're sick. She has videos for when you're anxious. She has a really great video for yoga for anxiety. And it's it's so calming and grounding. And And I also like her because she approaches it in a very pragmatic way. Some people who do yoga are very spiritual and I dig that stuff. I'm all over that. But some people don't like that. So she's just very like, we're just going to get on our yoga mats and like chill and like get in the moment. And it's not all that woo woo (laughs) spiritual stuff. So she's really great. Before we were recording for the podcast, you were talking about uh, the five legs, right? Yeah. I would like if you could say that to our audience. Yeah, definitely. It's something that I did not come up with. Um, and I don't know who did. But a nurse practitioner I used to see who was amazing told me that mental health is basically like a four or five legged stool. And you'll see why it's either or but it's basically the idea that this stool is the foundation of your mental health and your mental health. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for process healing? I don't know. Um, stability. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so the the legs represent things. So she was saying it's therapy, medication, community, and exercise were the four main ones. And she also said, you know, sometimes people don't do medicine. Sometimes people don't aren't on meds. And that's totally fine. The fifth one that she mentioned was spirituality. And so those two, the medication and the spirituality are why it can be four or five, you know, mm-hmm. 
Or maybe you don't have either. Maybe you don't have meds or spirituality, and that's fine too. But it was just a really interesting way to think about it. It was like, oh, so there are these like four or five things that if you are engaging in all of them, it really is going to help your mental health. Not necessarily going to cure you of depression, but it will really, really give you some stability, like you said, and support you. And I would like to to kind of put like a global view on it. And if, mm-hmm. at the end, it's self-care. Is taking care of you, and yeah. and if if you're going through a low phase, it is important also to wake up, to do your bed, to open the windows, to feel the air. If you can, to say thanks, be grateful for the things that that you do have, and and wash your hair. Mm. Uh, Take a shower, man. <laughs> yeah, clean yourself up and wear something that that makes you feel good that you like. I have some thoughts about self-care and it's not that I think self-care is bad because I absolutely don't. It's more that we've monetized self-care as a society and that can be not great (laughs) because there's a huge industry out there for self-care and I think that you don't always have to fall into that. There, Like you just said, there's so many simple things you can do that you, you just listed off a whole bunch of great ones. And it doesn't have to be something that you spend money on. Yeah, go to the spa if you want to, but it doesn't have to be. Um, there's lots of other things you can do that are effective. And so, yeah, I'm glad you po- pointed that out because that could be another leg on the stool too. Or it could just be the whole stool. <laughs> yeah. So, Ted, what are your thoughts on all of this, if you have any? Well, first of all, I want to say I really appreciate your openness, you and Sarah, with your thoughts. I, I can tell you done a lot of work on this as you say it's the work right it's the hard work and you've done a lot of work so mm-hmm. i recognize that in, in the things you say and and um i can i understand how how difficult it is i mean uh, i've there's a lot of depression in my family and i've felt it myself from time to time over the years and for me it's about circumstances i guess as much as anything and uh, i was thinking about it as you guys were talking about Multipotentiality, really, what brought me to the Putty Tribe mm, yeah. as much as anything was the fact that I've struggled my whole life, really since I was a kid, certainly as an adult, certainly since I finished university and all the rest, which you know was 15 plus years ago. I struggled with, well, what the hell do I want to do with my life? What am I going to do? And that's such an existential question for Classic. me. <laughs> it's not just, well, you get a job. Yeah. I mean, in a tangible way, of course, you're going to get a job. You're going to do something. But you know, what does it really lead to? And I've been down this cycle my whole working life, year after year, essentially, of changing jobs, trying something different. And a lot of the time that was very intentional. I knew I didn't, there wasn't any one thing that I wanted to do. So that was okay. Mm -hmm. I embraced the idea of changing jobs and trying different things, having adventures, moving around and and having kind of a different uh, approach to, I guess, life and identity than just your job, you know? I mean, most of us identify with who we are. The first thing, uh, you introduce yourself, and people probably ask you this anyway, but you say, I'm so-and-so, and and I am a blank. This is what I do, right? Mm -hmm. And I've never been able to answer that question. That actually is something that has always bothered me, because I'm like, we're so much more than our jobs, and if we can find something that is a meaningful job that it really aligns with who we are, awesome. But some people yeah. can't. And so sometimes I'm like, that's not, it doesn't need to be the focus of our lives. <laughs> well, that's true. And I, I mean, I've, I've done a lot of work myself on that question over the years. And I think especially the last few months, because mm-hmm. things are really coming to a head for me, as I've talked about on this show, you know, I've been doing the job I have now, 
Yeah, it's I, uh, it's the longest I've ever had one job. It's uh, five years now, almost to the day that I was mm. hired to that job. I never had a job uh, for that long, and then itself is kind of impressive for me. But of course, the job has run its course. <laughs> I'm tired of it. I've kind of I've achieved all I could there. It's I could keep doing it, and it's very tempting. But then there's a lifestyle thing, right? Because I work in the summer. My wife is off in the summer with the kids and we hardly see each other and all the rest. And it's just, it's not sustainable in any kind of social family cohesive way. And I've known that all these years and it's really coming to a head now where, okay, it's like I have to really make the changes that I need to make. And I'm trying, I really like, I'm aware that I'm focusing on that becoming the new reality that I cannot go back to this job. I can't keep going through this vicious cycle, but I'm still desperately searching for some kind of identity. And whether that's in some kind of business, being an entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. podcasting we talked about, I mean, I don't know, maybe writing or something, or maybe it's just a lifestyle. Maybe that's going to be the answer over the course of, I guess, the next few years and on from there that it's not so much what I do to make some money, although I would certainly want to care about what I do, but that it's the lifestyle really that I'm, I would be most proud of. I find that that's been motivating me more than anything. I try not to dwell on the, on the negative kind of depressing, depressive feelings that that brings into me about self-worth and self-esteem and just the, the amount of work that it takes and putting yourself out there for sure. So, yeah, I mean, I just, I try to appreciate, I, I do, I do appreciate the opportunity I have. I'm very privileged to have the chance to do this, to change my job and my ostensible career and so on that we've budgeted for it. We can, we have, I have the time. I'm not, I'm not in a desperate situation. I appreciate that stuff. So, you know, and that's the guilt. I'm sure you guys have experienced this and a lot of people listening, it's the guilt. It's like, I'm supposed to feel better, right? I know, I know that I am a, I have yeah. a lot better position than a lot of people. I don't have a personal debt. I don't yeah. have uh, health issues and, and on and on. Right. And like, he's kind of that survivor's guilt or something, you know, where it's like, I'm supposed to be happier than I am. And I'm not, miserable, but I could be happier. I'd be interested to know on that uh, front, what depression, for example, rates are in other countries. Yeah, Like something that I noticed when I was in Mexico for my honeymoon is we were interacting with people all the time who had jobs that we, a lot of people here wouldn't want to do service jobs and jobs that are um, not the most fun, but they're so mm. positive And they're so like, of course, there's gonna be people who aren't and there's gonna be situations where they're not. But I just felt like Everybody I met, yes, partly it was because like we were tourists and they want to like put a put a good face forward. But um, just in interact, just observing people, even in the Walmart, it just felt like people were had so much more joy just in their every moment. And I was just like, "What is so different about us like, well, here in North America?" From my observation and analysis of different scenarios and places. Uh, one is definitely community and family. Mm. Um, having like a real support around you where you feel connected and yeah. and you keep mm-hmm. that special connection. It's in back and forth. You not only give, you receive. And it's very visceral. You live it every single day. With so many of us, our community mm. comes and goes. Yeah. You almost have to force it to happen. And then, Exactly. Yeah, I just moved to a new province and I'm really feeling that and I'm starting to build a community, but it takes time. And I moved far away from my parents and my sister and my nephews and I miss them every day. And sometimes think about like, 
why did I do this? Like, it was because I really wanted to get out of the US. But I, I just was sort of like, I, I get to this point where I'm like, my parents are getting older, and I miss them. And how do I, what do I do about it? I don't know. And I think having family closer would really help with mm-hmm. that mental health piece for sure. And another thing is the weather. Yeah, I've thought about that. Yeah. <laughs> That's a really good point. I could totally felt when I was living in Boston during the winter, not seeing any green <laughs> and not seeing the light of the sun made me so apathetic. Yep. And yeah, definitely. I really felt the, the, and just during the winter. Time. Yeah. So I, I cannot imagine. <laughs> I will say that uh, for seasonal affective disorder, that's something that's really big for me. When I was living in Vancouver, there was green everywhere, but it was rainy all the time. And it started to really affect my my mental health. Moving to Alberta, we do have more sun in the winter, which is great. Um, But I still use my like therapy light. I don't actually know what they're officially called, but you can get them on Amazon for like 40 bucks. So if you can afford like 40 bucks, get one if you're in that situation, because it helps so much. Vitamin D. (laughs) Yeah. And take vitamin D. Actually, during the winter, as far as I know, you can take more vitamin D than you think you can. Like I have these pills that are chewable and they're like a thousand whatever the unit is. And I think you can take two safely. So do that. Do that every day. (laughs) Yeah. No, the weather makes such a huge difference. Like last week, it was uh, an abnormal spring day here in eastern Canada. It was a few degrees above freezing. And everybody was happy. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And I mean, I felt great, you know, like just to get out of the house, sit on the back deck for a few. It was still kind of chilly. You need a jacket and all the rest. But the snow was starting to melt and just the spring was in the air, right? The next day there was a big snowstorm. (laughs) (laughs) But it just that little taste. And I know that that's the flip side of it is is the variable, the extremities of changing seasons. And when you live in in like equatorial countries, basically, you don't have that Mm -hmm. where it's the same weather basically year round. And so we get the kind of opposite effect here. You get the extreme low maybe of February. But then you appreciate spring and summer so much more, which yeah, comes back so to my true. job because then I go back to work in the summer <laughs> and I miss all of that. This, it's, that's yeah. a good point, actually. You know, the depression and stuff, yeah. when I feel down, it's like I work and work flat out six, seven days a week and all the rest in the best time of the year. I've mm-hmm. waited all year to get to that point and now I'm stuck at work all the time. So anyway, that's part of my story. I was thinking about community, though, and our individualistic societies, you know. Yeah. I've thought a lot about that lately. Where, you know, you're encouraged to be individualistic and and community just isn't so prevalent, which is also interesting because we watched uh, Parasite the other day, the movie. Have you guys seen it? I still haven't seen it. Ah, well, that's the theme of the movie is in South Korea, which is a very individualistic society. And the gap between rich and poor, the the disparity Um, is extreme there. Is it fiction or is it a documentary? It's fiction, but it's... I mean, it, there's a lot of twists to the story, yeah, which I certainly of, won't give away. But there's a lot of truth to def- it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a very harsh commentary on life mm. in in South Korea. But mm. yeah, which is exemplified by the individualistic nature, where you mm. just you scratch tooth and nail to get by, oh, and then there's yeah. the elite few at the top who don't even think about that stuff. So. And that's something I've been thinking about in terms of mental health as well is I'm a little sick of people saying life is short because it's actually long, too. If you live to be 90, that's a long time. And um, and I don't want to think about every single thing that I do as being like a waste of time. But I've also been thinking about how there are things I want to do in my life that will I'll be really sad in the end if I don't get to do them. But more importantly, 
I've been thinking about that community aspect and how people are really important to me anyway. And how do I like I was talking to my therapist about having a full life, like, what does that look like? When I'm 90, let's say, and I'm looking back on my life, like, what will I have wanted to experience? And a big thing for me was like, community, being around people I love, laughing, like, yeah. Even if I don't ever get to go to the countries that I want to go to someday, which I think I will, I'll make it happen. But even if I don't, I want to be able to know that I spent time with people that really mattered to me and didn't spend time with people that don't matter to me. You know what I mean? So yeah, um, that's only one thing. There's a lot of other things, too. But hmm. it's important. I like the full life yeah. uh, idea. I like yeah. the approach of having a full life. Yeah. And I want to have a small comment uh, on that. And in, in it's, it's very important how we treat ourselves because the way we treat ourselves is the way that others are going to treat us. And when you are suffering from lack of respect from others, you are also allowing that mm-hmm. into your life and it's important to yes. put limits. Oh my God, we could have a whole episode on boundaries. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> but... I think we covered a huge range of things in this episode and we gave some some tips. Some Yeah, that's true. We'll put all that in the show notes. I want to say one more tip and I haven't used this myself, but there is online therapy now. And um, there are I've actually heard from a couple people that it's been good, but I don't know if that's true. But there um, I think it's like $30 US a month and you get to have like a weekly therapy session or something like that. And as far as I know, I mean, I, there are a couple different companies that do this and I have not vetted them. But um, as far as I know, they're licensed psychologists and that kind of thing, at least in the US. So I don't know. But um if that's something yeah. that you want to check out, like it's there and it's not as expensive as, you know. And I have to say that I found out about a bot that it's pretty good uh, to keep track of your mood. It's oh, yeah, I've heard of that one. Uh, Y-O-U-P-E-R. And it's, I mean, you can do a, a track of your mood every day without pain, but if you want also the, the meditations, the go deep in things and stuff like that, you have to pay. But there's a lot of people that are starting to do a very great job in, in mm-hmm. the technology world to, to help well, with emotional well-being. Another app that's really good is called Wysa, W-Y-S-A. It's a little penguin bot. <laughs> you can literally chat with it. And mm. I found for some very specific things, it's not great because it's a bot. But if you generally want to mm-hmm. get some like mindfulness exercises or some like it'll it'll guide you through some little exercises and things like that. And uh, it'll also keep track of the things that you chat about every day. So you can go back and look at them and see if anything's changed or see if there's something that on that particular day the bot suggested you do that was really good so you can keep track of it, which is great. Um, I think, I thought Youper was similar to that, but maybe there's no chat component? It is. It is top bot. Oh, okay. Okay. Too. Uh, but it's interesting. There, there are things coming up and I like to mm-hmm. to check on them because... I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's that's a really great idea. Like when we all have a well, I'm not going to say we all have a phone, but many, many, many of us have phones, so you might as well <laughs> use it. Well, I'm going to wrap up by doing another quick plug for this podcast. Yes, because please. I've really enjoyed this conversation, and it's 
it forces to do something like this. We stick to our schedule. We want to get our episodes out and it forces us to have this conversation. To be honest, if we didn't have the deadline and stuff, we may not have done it, but I like that it it's given us a chance to do so. Yeah. So if you're listening to this episode and you'll know if what I'm saying speaks to you, if you want to participate in a conversation like this about any topic, but you know, whatever you feel comfortable with, um, this is a chance to do it. It gives you, it gets things out in the open and it makes it feel better. Everything we've been talking about today of, you know, uh, going outside of your shell maybe or outside of your house or just being more um, social and talking to people. And it helps. It makes you feel better. I feel better. So it doesn't have to be about mental health. Of course, you could want to talk about anything, but this is a chance to do it. And the fact that it is a podcast, it's going out there. It's safe for posterity. If you're comfortable with that, and you know, everyone listening, you know if you're going to be comfortable with that or not. So if you are, reach out to us and we'll do a great episode and we'll get to know some more members of the Putty Tribe. Not only that, but also we are very open to theme suggestions. Mm -hmm. And if there is a, a subject or a theme that you would like to for us to cover, please let us know. We'll be very happy to do so. Absolutely. Definitely. And uh, Sarah, it's been great to hear your voice again. Yeah, it's been Thank so you. great to have you back. <laughs> it's good. It yeah. feels good. Yeah, awesome. Great. All right. Thanks, everybody. Well, we'll uh, catch up again, yeah, in a couple weeks. Sounds good. Goodbye. Bye.